Our communion meditation is from Psalm 37. Lord willing, this is the penultimate lesson from Psalm 37. Next week, I think we'll finish it. I'll read verses 35 through 38. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would use it to encourage us this day, uh, to direct us uh, down the path that we are to go. And we pray, Lord, for any, especially here, and especially that we know and love, who are not on your path, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would bring them back to it. And we ask you to bless uh, this word to your hearing and uh, for our edification. In Christ's name, amen. Now, David wrote this, and he obviously wanted you to be clear in your understanding that the evil will get their due. And let me hit the highlights. Verse 2. They shall soon be cut down like grass. Verse 9, evildoers shall be cut off. Verse 10, in a little time the wicked shall be no more. Uh, verse 13, the Lord laughs at him for he sees his day is coming. Verse 15, their sword shall enter their own heart, their bows shall be broken. 17, the arms of the wicked shall be broken. Uh, verse 20, uh, the wicked shall perish. Verse 22, uh, those cursed by him shall be cut off. Verse 28, the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. And verse 34 and 36, the wicked are cut off. He was no more. The, the transgressors shall be destroyed together. Twelve times in these 40 verses, David explicitly gives you some different uh, way of explaining that the wicked uh, will get their due, that they will not succeed in their wicked ways. And what is that to tell us? What do we learn from that? What we learn is that God will honor his word and that our lies, that, that our eyes may lie to us on this earth. When we look around, we might think that the wicked is not getting their due. And that's why David, throughout this psalm, reminds us over and over and over again in a multitude of ways that we must have confidence in God and his word. Don't believe your lying eyes. Believe God, who will bring this to pass. So we are to then love justice, and we are to pray for it. We're to long for it. We're to want it. And I think sometimes we can grow weary of wanting even justice, to prevail on the earth because we just grow uh, bitter, kind of despondent about the fact that we exist in a world filled with sin and evil. In uh, verses 37 and 38, which is the bulk of the text I'll focus on, it says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the future of the wicked shall be cut off. You see there's a contrast here, verse 37, verse 38. Verse 37 focuses on the blameless and the upright. 
the future of that man is peace. Verse 38 focuses on the transgressors. They shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. So we have two futures that we are uh, told explicitly their end. And future is an important concept. We've talked about that in recent weeks. It's important for us to focus on the future. And I'll talk about it a little bit more in here. But when we say mark the blameless man and observe the upright, what is the future of the blameless according to this text? Now, we know we have heaven that awaits us. But here, what does it say? Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is, and what's the word? The future of that man is peace. Now, that's an odd way of saying it, I think. It's a little different. It's not what you would expect. The future of that man is heaven. The future of this man is all kinds of things. But the future of the man is peace. And what that does is it's to speak to our hearts. In other words, if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're fighting evil, then you're weary. If you're not fighting evil, maybe you're not so weary. You don't need to be reminded that the future of the man, the blameless man, is peace because you've been kind of ignoring that goal. You've been ignoring the battle, and so you're not as weary as many people who are fighting the battle. So the future of the man who is blameless, who is fighting against evil, is peace. You will be granted that peace. Now, what is that peace with, I ask you? I believe it's peace within yourself. You, have, you will have then that inner peace that you seek because we know the struggle against sin is in us. The evil that we see in our world that we might fall prey to, we do that because the evil is within us and it has a friend in us. And yet, the blameless man will end his days in peace because that enemy is conquered. That enemy is now dead And you will emerge from that thankful. You are entering into a time of peace and great relief. Jesus said this, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So see, the peace that we will one day enjoy perfectly, we can now enjoy imperfectly as we focus on our being in Christ despite the tribulation that we face, despite the, the bitterness that we can allow to intrude into our peace now, just because of the fact that wickedness is there and it's fighting against us both inside and outside. So our souls long for peace, to, to rest from the battle that we're engaged in. And yet we must, as good soldiers, continue to fight. And uh, I missed the end of Phil's sermon two weeks ago, and so I listened to the last few minutes this morning, and that's what he remarked about, that, that George Whitfield trying to encourage the fellow pastors that he's speaking with to uh, indulge in this kind of little mini pity party, to say, oh, don't you long for death. And the rebuke that he got from the el- elder uh, gentleman that was in their midst, saying, no, it's not for hours to long for death. We are to long for life, to long for years of service. But God will one day take us, and we can enjoy life with him. But until that time, we need to be a good servant. And so we don't long for death. We don't long for the release from these bonds, because it's here that God wants us to serve him and be faithful to him. Now, last weekend, I asked my kids a bizarre question, and I'm going to ask all you this bizarre question. 
Imagine what this world would be like if birds targeted humans with their poop. Just, just imagine, a part of the fall is either that those birds, are, as a part of the fallen creation, are targeting you, or let's say that God has given demons full reign to do that, but that would be those birds' default behavior. Anytime you were outside, they'd be targeting you. Little birds to big birds, pretty birds to ugly birds. That's their goal in life, is to hit you in the head with their poop. That would be a weird world. That would be a, a horribly disgusting world. And yet, what I want to share with you is another question, another illustration. Imagine that you had an invisible rat that followed you around everywhere on this earth and was constantly nipping at you. You can't tell when he's going to do it, but you know he's there. When I read uh, the book Jurassic Park, it talked about those little, littlest velociraptors that would bite you, or not a velociraptor, I forget what they were called, the camp compies. But anyway, they would bite you, and what they're secreting is an is a, uh, enzyme or whatever that relaxes you. And so then they overcome your pain from experiencing this, and then they eat you. So they gobble you up. That's, that's the book Jurassic Park. And so when I read that, it just, this rings so true. If you had an invisible rat that followed you around and nipped at you all the time, you would be on guard against it. But what if it's nipping against your spirit, against your soul? And it's not as easily detected. You've got to remain on guard against it. You know that it's there. You know that if you don't fight against it, tomorrow it will show up with a buddy. And the next week, it will show up with an army. So see, that is the world we live in. We don't live in a world where the birds are targeting us, but we do have the invisible that attack us. And they have a friend within us that wants to let them in, that wants to let them attack you. And so see, that's what we're fighting against. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. You should not be at peace with the evil that's in this world. The peace that you can enjoy, though, even in this world, is only as you give it over to God, as you live in Christ. So to the degree to which you don't live in Christ, to which you're not fighting and struggling against sin, not being made weary in spirit and body, is the degree to which you are giving up, you're giving in to those invisible rats that are trying to eat away your soul. You will be the first one to understand this. But it will be learned by the rest of us because we all can see into one another's souls to a degree. We see who's fighting the beast and who's not because it will manifest itself in your conduct. Out of the fullness of the heart flow the words of the mouth, right? And so we know that if your heart is not filled with goodness, bad words come out, bad thoughts are made manifest. So we all have indicators in one another's lives and in our own as to who's fighting off these invisible rats successfully and who's not. So now this man, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, they are tired because of the struggle. And yet, what's the flip side? But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Do you see how the blameless man is in the singular and the transgressors are in the plural. To me, that has meaning. It means that we do, in many ways, struggle against sin 
individually. Yes, we have Christ. Yes, we have the church. Yes, we have one another. But yet we often give up the struggle within our minds first. We've given up the struggle to remain pure, to be good. And yet this person here is rewarded for their struggle. You know, in John it speaks of being rewarded. The young men are rewarded for their faithfulness. And that's what it is. In our culture, we live in this culture of death, and we've had a couple of sermons, great sermons in recent weeks that show that. This culture of death wants us to forget about the invisible rats that are eating away our souls. Just focus on today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Who cares about tomorrow? Tomorrow we'll all be dead anyway. Just enjoy the day. Enjoy. Life is meant to be enjoyed, isn't it? So why worry? Why worry about what's coming down the road? No, no, focus on self-gratification. It's so much more enjoyable to live each day without the worries of tomorrow intruding into your minds and thoughts. So when we come to the table, we come to the table for strength in fighting against an invisible enemy. And so not all of us are always making use of that strength, but we must. That is our job. It's our duty and responsibility. We fight not only for ourselves, we fight for one another. We fight for our families. So it's not just you. As you give in to the enemy, it's not just you that lose. It's everybody that loses. The whole church loses. And so I encourage you, as you come to the table, to be reminded that this is God's table intended to give us strength to help us fight off these invisible rats in the week ahead. It is provision for your soul and it provides for you today and in the coming week as you reflect on this. It reminds you, it serves as a constant reminder of our need of God and our need to serve him and faithfully follow him. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word and your power. Uh, and we do live in a world that's filled with sin that in which we often feel weak. We feel at its mercy. And yet, Lord, you grant us your Holy Spirit you give us your word and these promises that as we turn to you, you will strengthen us. You will have us to overcome the waves that want to totally take our souls and submerge them in an ocean of sin. And so we pray, Father, that you would do so. We ask you for strength. We ask you for a will to seek what is pure, to seek what is right, and to fight against the wickedness within us and without us in the week ahead. In Christ's name, amen.